0: Tom Panos, John McGrath, and Troy Malcolm back in the driver's seat.
1: How are you, Johnny? We're back. All three of us are back now. I've given in. Okay. I've, I've accepted that Troy is here to stay. Troy's
0: here to stay. Troy's here to stay he's now. Taken,
1: he's taken a lot of limelight off you and me, Tom, but anyway, that's the future, isn't it?
0: Well, John, we were uh, last uh, podcast we did, uh, as you recall, we talked about um, the Troy Malcolm that comes up, and then the third, we had our ARIC auditions. And then we got introduced to one of the guys that's actually going to be speaking at Eric Mark Kentwell, um, which Very we've locked in. Who is I think what he's going to talk about is going to totally revolutionise the way um, people list and sell auctions Auction. in non-auction markets. That's amazing. That's
1: going to be uh, going to be a lot of fun.
0: But getting get, getting back to it, and Mark walked in. John, do you remember what we introduced? Hi, Tom. Oh, hi, John. Yeah. How are you going? And and we said, that's Troy. He said, oh, you're Troy. And then we had another two people say, so you're the Troy. You're the Troy.
1: What have have we built here, Johnny? Far too much attention has gone in Troy's direction. (laughs) And, Tom, I think we've just, you know, we've dug a a hole for ourselves. I don't know how we're going to get out of it.
0: Well, unless you and I learn technology and learn how to (laughs) upload podcasts onto iTunes and all the terms with it, up until then we'll go with it. But, John, uh, we always start off talking about, uh, you know, sporting achievements or something that's not real estate. Topical. Topical. The Rabbitohs... Uh, we talked about uh, last time, and you know, people still, I still see South Sydney Rabbitoh flags. Like, this is one month after the event, there are still cars driving around with flags. You know, and I, every time it's I fun. look at it, and I think to myself, why isn't there a Balmain flag up there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, it's been a long time coming, so we really need to squeeze every drop out of it. But, but of course, it's not just the Rabbitohs that are doing well.
0: Yeah, John, the, the Western Wanderers um, in football, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, on the weekend. Soccer, something called soccer. Soccer. Um, One billion people watched that game, and it's the first time an Australian team has won the Asian Cup. And it was 60,000 people. They had their goalkeeper that had a laser pointed in his eye throughout the whole game from the crowd. Mm. Um, You can imagine when you go to uh, one of these countries, they make it really difficult, you know.
1: Well, it's a religion over there, literally, isn't it, in sport? Look, I'm not a huge follower, but I'm gaining momentum and interest in, in soccer. I think you know a lot more than I do about it, um, Tom. But my understanding, Western Sydney Wanderers have been in the competition five minutes, haven't they? Like three years. Three years, right? I think, in, and, and they've done phenomenally well. Like, they won last year. They've just won the Asian titles. I know they're not doing so well as yet in this year, but no doubt they'll, they'll rectify that soon. But I think, you know, and this is a real estate podcast, by the way, sometimes we keep forgetting, but... Yeah. If you're an agent that's just joined a company or just started in the industry, I think one of the problems can be, Tom, people think, well, you know, it's going to take me five years to develop a client base and get a following and get some momentum. I think Western Sydney Wanderers, in a sporting sense, have just shown that if you're actually good and committed and focused, you can achieve phenomenal results in no time. I mean, who'd have thought a, a team that was just entered the competition with kind of a lot of Non, not well-known players was yeah. my understanding. Yeah. And all of a sudden, three years later, not only have they won the, the competition in Australia, but they've actually won the Asian Championships. I mean, yeah. that is amazing result. Extraordinary. And I think, John,
0: uh, when we tag that back into real estate... I think we see many times real estate agents don't have to spend 20 years to become a million dollar agent.
1: Not anymore. I mean, once upon a time, I think there was, it was a valid comment to say, look, it could take you five, six, seven years to build momentum. But nowadays, with you know, the ability to market yourself in a whole variety of ways and social media and all the things that can come with a, an agent that's switched on today, I, I think so the good news for new agents that are listening, for the newbies that have maybe, let's say, been in the industry less than a year. Is you can switch out of this mindset that says, well, maybe in five years, if you're really good, you know, you'll get somewhere. You know, you can be. And, I, and of course, we had Vivian Yap at Eric last year, and Vivian's been on your podcasts and uh, sorry, your video blog. I mean, Vivian is just a great example of yeah. a magnificent performer who, within a very short space of time, has climbed to the top of the Australian and one yeah. of the world trees. So it's a good th- metaphor, John.
0: Moving on to the podcast, I thought that what we do today is to talk about what do you do when you're feeling stress, overwhelmed and under pressure? And at the moment, we're seeing record volumes of stock hitting the market, going to auction, we're seeing agents very busy when you've got a lot of stock, and we're seeing all of a sudden pressure, and I know that, uh, just talking to your team, you've just had an extraordinary month, the Edgecliff office. Record month uh, Record month, just under 3 mil in gross commission income, so right around the country, and by the way, congratulations, John, because to do those sorts of numbers is um, outstanding testament to you and the team, Um, but... When you've got a lot going on, you also can become overwhelmed and you've got to start managing your time better and people get stressed and they're working longer hours. So I thought what we'd do is let's talk about the tips and strategies to stay energised, to to keep real estate fit. What do you do to overcome stress? And you've been a big advocate, John, of the importance of making sure that your personal life is aligned to your business life and that you're doing things that enhance you and make you perform a better version of yourself. So I'd love to talk about what are the do's and the don'ts to help you cope with stress
1: and being overwhelmed. Yeah, look, I think it's a great conversation to have, Tommy, because there are a lot of people out there getting stressed, and I think to a degree unnecessarily, because one of my paradigms around life is that stress is a reaction. Stress is not the cause of the problem. It's how you respond to the issue that is the stress. So I'll give you a quick example, sporting or not, but grand finals, some people play their best game of the year, others play their worst because the grand finals are grand finals. Some people lift to a whole new level, others crumble under the pressure. Same with the examinations in an academic sense. Some people do their best work at exams, other people are smart all year and then they crumble at exams. So I think there's plenty of evidence to say that stress really is your reaction to a set of external circumstances. So the reason I like to say that up front is a lot of people kind of think that, oh, God, if I have eight auctions happening at once, I'm going to be stressed, and therefore I don't want to get stressed, so I don't want to build up to eight auctions. The reality is you can have 12 auctions running beautifully like a Swiss watch, under and, and not all of them have to sell, but as long as you run the system. So I think you've got to shift your paradigm to say stress is really up to me and how I deal with things. Then I think you need to say, well, what are my values, what's important to me, and you know, I need to live my life according to my purpose and values. And that might sound to some people esoteric, but if you really, and I hopefully all our listeners do, and knowing them as we do, Tom, I'm sure they do, if you value integrity, and if that's really key, that's your compass, that's your north, no matter what the situation, what's at risk, how much it's gonna cost me, I just have to tell the truth because that's who I am. If you're clear about the things in your lifetime that are important to you, that kind of makes 90% of your decisions for you. Yeah. So when you're there at a listing or if you're there at a sale or at a negotiation and the situation comes up and there's the possibility of you giving like, you know, sort of half the truth version or a white lie, as some people call it, to maybe get a deal across the line or maybe save an auction or maybe win a listing, they're the sort of things I think that cause the stress when you're actually not living on purpose. I'd rather miss the listing, of course, tell the truth, and I go home and have a great night's sleep and I get up tomorrow morning and I win three or four new listings by telling the truth.
0: John, because faking and pretending is draining, isn't it? A- and imagine, putting a facade on.
1: Exactly. Imagine going to a listing and telling someone something that's actually not 100% true and then trying to remember it for the whole listing and for your next listing. So I think it's it really... That's why you, know, you and I have been talking for so many years on stage and on, on channels like this, around you know you've just got to be true to yourself and just trust that integrity is the only way and if you tell the truth you never got to remember what you told someone and you're going to go to sleep and you're going to wake up refreshed every day so i think just be really clear uh, and we have the smart brigade listening to this by the way yeah most people are listening to this are not telling half-truths but it's it's just good to restate the importance
0: of it what do you John what do you I mean a lot of people when they have stress they seem to actually resort to things like eating drinking yeah prescription and non prescription drugs yeah and anything to sort of comatize that what do you say to a, to a listener that at the moment is driving along and they're a little bit stressed and you know overwhelmed is there any sort of things you'd say right now do this to help you move forward
1: yeah, so I think, you know, when you finish driving or doing whatever you're doing, you've got to sit down and I think I'd just do on 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 a page, I'd write down the things that are stressing me. So I've got a listing that's there's a problem with, I'm chasing some advertising money that I, you know, I told the vendor that I'll take it on settlement and it hasn't sold and um, you know, whatever else I got a buyer complaining because they missed out. It was a multiple offer scenario, and they missed out, and they didn't feel they, I was transparent. Just list it all down, and I will guarantee you, if you look at that, and then you track back a bit, Tom, before it, you'll find that there is a reason. Yeah. So you know, I look at multiple offers, and we had one last week, and a very rare occasion. Now, by the way, you know, multiple offers when there's more than one buyer yeah. trying to buy. Let's say an auction before auction, you have two people lining up, they're both sort of jousting for it. The vendor wants to sell before. That can be very stressful. I would say, in my experience in real estate, there are more complaints about multiple offer scenarios than probably anything else, except maybe agents overvaluing property, and then vendors being understandably upset down the track. So for me, there is a system to deal with multiple offers. And, And there is a system to deal with everything, pricing property, marketing, doing an open home, dealing with multiple offers you need to develop the system and you need to be really clear and transparent and clean around that. So, you know, we had a situation recently and someone complained about it and I think they were pretty well, at least half justified in that. I think there's always two sides to a story and and I've heard both sides. But when I was coaching my agent after the event, I just said, you know, you were kind of 95% of the way there but that 5% that you missed, that little conversation that you missed that you should have had, that's where all the stress has come from. So uh, in that instance, the agent needed to be probably better coached and versed around dealing with it and just be 100% clear. So the conversation says, Tom, let me talk to you through what's going to happen now because it's really important and I'm going to send you an email after this conversation just to let you know exactly what's going to happen next. And that would have led to, I think, a situation where someone would have been accepting of the result. So I think you need to have systems that deal with the things that cause the stress. So so John,
0: what you're saying is when you write it down, you're gonna logically work out that somewhere along the line um, there was something that you could have done that would have had a different outcome. And pretty much what you're saying is that everything that needs to get done, if there's a system in place,
1: you'll find that probably you wouldn't have that problem that's stressing you out. Ninety-nine percent. Ninety-nine percent. And, and it's, it's, a lot of it is the process around managing expectations and not over-promising. Yeah. See, a lot of stress comes from agents in the heat of the moment, out of the excitement, the desire to do a deal, all the sort of things that generally get an agent to be overly enthusiastic and potentially overly optimistic. When all of that happens, agents are inclined to over-promise. So, you know, I'll give you an example. Often when uh, you'd offer an acceptance on a property, an agent's natural conversation is to the buyer, "Congratulations." My conversation is, Tom, I've got some really good news. We've had offer and acceptance, which means we've actually got to the first base. We're certainly not home yet. What I need you to do is, is get into your car, ASAP, go down to your solicitor, because until we exchange contracts with the vendor, the property is still on the market and there's a, there is a chance that we could still miss it. So I really want to make sure that I secure this for you and your family. Whereas most agents are saying, Tom, congratulations. I just heard from the vendor, he's, he's really happy to accept your offer, so you've got a new home. I know from having said that in the past and having it come back and and bite me on the backside, that's a problem. So now I manage it up front. I manage the expectations with a systematic approach. So I think we we can control 90% of our stressors by smarter, more intelligent, more thorough work in advance. So identify what they are. Think about what could I have done? Because generally there's only half a dozen stressors. It, there's not a thousand things in your life. There's yeah. normally a few things. I over at the listing. I overvalued it because I was either enthusiastic or I didn't do my homework. I didn't have a thorough conversation with the buyer. I didn't manage the vendor's expectations every day. Um, and so I think if, if you get back to that and the other you know, few percent, you've got to remember that it's your response to it yeah. that's the problem, not the issue. So issues, because even with all the good work up front, there's still going to be issues that arise. There's going to be some problem in the world of real estate where there's lots of moving parts on every transaction and every deal and every purchase and every sale. So I think you, what you've got to do is just um, uh, learn how to manage that better. When the issue does arise, even if you've done everything right, you need to deal with that. So I think, you, John, there
0: was once a slide that you presented at a real estate gym that we were speaking at, and I, uh, I can't remember what it was, but I do remember at the time I thought to myself, that's a real... Uh, a Buddhist approach to approach it, where you said the market is the market yeah it 's an event right yes. you can 't control that event, but what you can control is your response to the event, correct, and pretty much what you 're saying is that um, people get stressed not because of the event but the way that they respond or don 't respond and I think there 's a great saying the way you view a
1: problem is in fact the problem, yes. Um, Yeah, exactly right, Tom. And the other thing is up front, when I'm sitting down with the vendor and I've just listed the home, we have an expectations meeting or or a lot of people call it a set to sell. Set to sell. So one of the things that I'll say is, Tom, you know, there are going to be a lot of moving parts between marketing, negotiation, open for inspections, preparing the home. If we get from here to the sale and nothing goes wrong, we'll be blessed and it's highly unlikely. So I'm just letting you know up front, there's gonna be something that may not go according to plan. If you spot something and you don't feel good about it, just ring me up straight away and we'll deal with it together as a team. So it's almost managing the expectation there will be issues down the track. So I think those things are key. And then the other part of it is the physical handling of your stresses. So, you know, exercise, good food, um, not indulging in some of those things that you alluded to. A lot of people, that, you know, they try and drown their stresses with alcohol. Well, the reality is it just makes it worse. You, you know, you forget about it maybe for a few hours and then the next morning when you're hungover and your head's pounding and you're running late for work, it actually gets worse. So I think that people have to be careful about the physical because uh, stress is emotional yeah. and that's dealing with the emotions and the mental side of it. And of course, there is a physical element as well. And if you're tired, if you're sick, Uh, If you don't have energy, you're going to find it much harder to deal with those inevitable issues that are going to arise even when you're organised. When John McGrath's
0: not feeling 10 out of 10, version 10 out of 10, what are two or three things John McGrath does to sort of get him back on track?
1: I've got a few practices that I do. I meditate a lot, so that's sort of a a 20-minute-a-day practice that I've been doing for a couple of decades, maybe more, uh, certainly most of my working life. Um, I go for long walks and I listen to um, things like this, podcasts and audio books. So I find that the physical combined with the mental, it kind of gives you that double whammy effect of positive, that you're feeling good about doing some exercise and you're also hearing positive mental things. So I find that's a really great AM, early morning activity for me. Um, And the other thing is I just have this plethora of positive material that I'm always exposing myself to and magazines and blogs and, and stuff like that. And that gives me so many po- so much positive energy. Yeah. I kind of rise above, and you get your energy up to deal with the, the little things. And it puts me in perspective. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, John, um,
0: that term I use, having an attitude of gratitude, is uh, a, a good thing to always get you back on track. And I know that recently you've had uh, uh, one of your staff members mm. unexpectedly uh, pass away. And, and I've seen the uh, reaction a lot of your sales team members where they're actually more or less... Uh, working off deals off the pipeline and contributing uh, money towards um yeah, uh, the I'll family, listen. and that to me shows that a lot of times people won't act in self-interest. They'll do something. Yes. They won't do it for money. They will do things because they want to feel like they're contributing, that matters, things matter to them. And yeah. being able to look at someone's unfortunate situation helps you realise that your thing in life is not too bad after
1: all. Oh, look, you're right, Tom, and it's kind of a good thing to um, just alert everyone to it. it was one of our dearly beloved uh, staff members, Carl Timms, passed away last Monday, Sunday night. Uh, out of the blue went to sleep a healthy guy sunday night didn 't wake up Monday morning, and uh, obviously our entire team and extended family were devastated and, and his family, his beautiful wife Kylie, and their kids just it rocked their world because you know they had dinner as a family sunday night, so you know what 's the moral of the story? I guess the moral of the story is you know you 've got to look after yourself and, and Carl did by the way, so that probably was an issue, and maybe there was a genetic issue there or something but um, for those people that are out there that know they're not in as good a shape as they should be, really deal with it now yeah. rather than having your family have to deal with the consequences of it later. Um, I think it's really critical, and the second thing is just you know make sure you give your family and your loved ones every indication and let them know how much you do love them because you know who knows whether you're going to be able to do that tomorrow morning, and hopefully for everyone listening here we're going to have long and healthy lives, and one day well into the future we will pass on naturally but uh I think that was a great thing, and it has brought our company you know, so close together because he was—he sat right in the middle of the sales room. He'd been with us for a decade. Beautiful guy, um, in every word, uh, sense of the word, just an amazing person. And uh, they have rallied around. But you know, everyone out there, make sure you go home. You tell your kids, your wife, your husband, whoever you're uh, sharing this this incredible gift of life with. Um, let them know you love them because yeah. this is really, you know, this is the gratitude that we really uh, sometimes take for granted.
0: Absolutely. And I think as people are driving off or listening to things at the gym or what have you, just a quick
1: reminder that when you really
0: look around, John, life is pretty awesome, isn't it? And oh. sometimes we forget.
1: Uh, amazing. And, and if you're listening, driving home and you're a male, pull over, grab your wife or your girlfriend or your partner some, uh, uh, some flowers, box of chocolates, and if you're Female, do it for your husband or whatever, but you know, don't take for granted the things that are most important to us. So, yeah, okay. And on that note, John, we might conclude.
0: We'll see you next week. See you, Tom.